Welcome back, everyone. We are live for another week of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm going to admit the American one into the room. Uh, this is your host, Jack Greenstock, as always. I uh, look forward to join talking with this panel who's joining me this week. I'm going to pass it over first to Brandon Russ. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Brandon Russ here. If you're not familiar with me already, you can find me on Instagram at russ.brandon, same as the letters right here in the bottom left-hand corner. You can find a link to my company, Bokashi Earthworks, specialized in biological fertilizers, as well as microbial inoculants. And I also own Black Label, co-own Black Label Organics. I do a bunch of work everywhere else. I'm all over the place. Thank you for joining us again. As always, a pleasure to have you. Next up, he joined us uh, last, but certainly not least. And uh, I'll give him a second chance to give his shout out. Uh, the American one, welcome in. Hello, Jack panel and everyone in chat. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm the American one on the YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Akeens on IG. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Always good to have you. And I'm gonna pass it next to Noah the Groa. How's it going, everybody? Um, I'm Noah the Groa on Instagram with two E's. You can find anything I got going on there, ask me any questions. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. We're happy to have you and next up. Uh, Kyle from Predicative Breeding will be with us for the first hour of the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad everybody's here and safe. Uh, yeah, my name's Kyle Breeder. If anybody wants to see anything I'm kind of working on, which I, I have, I don't have a whole lot going on right now, but I should have some pretty epic things going on in the next uh, couple months. But uh, you can find me at, on all social media platforms at Predicative Breeding. Uh, I do specialize in feminized seeds. So if anybody's looking for those kind of things, I have a website. Uh, it's the letter P followed by breeding.com. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, Jack, for hosting. Happy to have you back as always. And next up, we have Dr. MJ. Hey, guys, Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Uh, we publish articles, tutorials, and guides on the science and practice of growing cannabis. I'm happy to be back with you guys. It's been a busy week. I've basically not been home since the last time we did the show, and I'm glad to be back here again. Glad that you had some safe travels and hopefully had a good time. Maybe you can share some stories with us as we get going. Uh, next up, we have Matthew Gates. Yeah, hey everyone, this is Matthew Gates. Those who don't know, I am an integrated pest management specialist and I'm uh, very happy and excited as always to be talking. Uh, some of the cool things I've been doing recently, uh, I was on the Future Cannabis Project on their second channel talking about IPM in general. I've also got uh, an article, the summer issue of Skunk Magazine that came out uh, well this summer. And um, I also have my Biopesticides book, not my book, but I contributed a chapter to it uh, that came out recently, was published, um, which is Arthur uh, Integrated Pest Management Against Arthropod Pests in Cannabis Sativa. So very excited about all those things kind of happening recently. All very cool stuff. So the summer edition for Skunk Magazine is out currently. Oh, maybe that was the spring edition. I'm so sorry. I think you're right. I was going to say, I feel like it might be a little early for the summer edition, but uh, maybe it's summer down under or something. And uh, maybe I'm just getting ahead, but uh, it could be the spring edition. Either way, awesome to have a one of the uh, writers for Skunk Magazine here with us this evening. And I believe I got everybody. Spartan, did you introduce yourself? Uh, I don't remember. I don't. I'm okay, Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram. If not, you can get me on Gmail. I'll do it real fast. <laughs> SpartanGrown at gmail.com. I didn't want to forget. Don't remember. Order. That's a good Dude, sign. I don't, I don't keep track. I'm sorry. See, that's a sign of some good weed right there. No doubt. <laughs> Speaking of Spartan, I guess we could start off with uh, what are you smoking on today? I'm actually getting ready. I'm actually pulling out of uh, 
I've got a little, hold on, let me, let me show you my little hack. So at the dollar store, I bought a pencil box. Just a little pencil box. But it's perfect to throw in your backpack when you're going to events when people give you weed. And I put all my, like my grinder, I grind up my weed. You can see there's weed in there a little bit. And uh, so this is gifted weed to me from, a uh, shout out to Tara Wilson and uh, Nuttree420. They brought me some TGA Genetics Cheesequake. I believe it's Cheesequake. And it's fucking excellent. And this is the last little bit of it. So I'll be smoking that here in the bowl. And that'll be gone probably within the next 10 minutes or so. I like that tip, the uh, pencil box. It also, I was thinking like a lot of people will give me baggies, like a sandwich bag. Uh, most people carry it in mason jars for their bigger thing, but like when you're just giving people like a gram or an eighth or whatever, just in a little Ziploc, um, if you throw it in your backpack, it might get squished. So like you're saying with that pencil box, it just gives it that harder outer shell so that your buds don't get uh, smashed up. Brandon, I saw you had, oh, uh, Spartan, looks like you want to jump in there. I was just going to say, and another awesome thing about it is, is that when you have leftover weed, you just close it. You know what I mean? And you can just carry all your shit in there. If you, if you want to do pre-rolls, you can throw them in there. They don't get smashed. It's just, I don't know. Like you said. It it's nice for sure. Um, I have a magnetic rolling tray cover that also like I consider like keeps the bud a little bit more fresh than if it was just sitting out to the air. I have cats and like when I pet them, hair starts flying all around the room. So having a magnetic rolling tray cover just saves me time picking hair out of the rolling tray before I'm going to roll a joint or pack a bowl or whatever it is. Uh, Brandon, it looks like you had a pretty nice jar over there that you were picking out of and you're packing up some bong bowls. Uh, what are you talking on tonight and uh, what were you looking at? You're muted. I'm smoking on some Cherry Royal Lime Spill. Uh, the Cherry Royal was from Roundtable Selections. The Lime Spill was from Emerald Mountain Legacy, and it was mixed together by, I think, uh, 689 six, six, Family Farms. And uh, he sent me seeds, and I grew it out. <clears throat> I haven't, we're running it again. Um, it's pretty nice stuff. Good weed, man. Really like it. It's a cherry pie, F1 Royal, and lime spill. Sounds delicious. Uh, what notes are more dominant in there? Is it more cherry, more lime, or a mix? Hmm. Well, let me uh, break up this nug, and I'll give you a little... little uh, Sommelier details. breakdown. Well, the first thing that I get is kind of a sweet doughy. With just a tiny bit of that like earth kush, that earthy kush smell, like almost coffee. Not super, super pronounced like some stuff that I have as far as like uh, on, a, on a like a loudness scale, uh, but it's definitely there. You can definitely smell it in there. It's, um, it's, I don't know. I really like it. I've been smoking on it uh, for like last couple hours, I guess. Switched Two more quick questions up. would be, I see that your hair is definitely growing a little bit longer than uh, when I met you in person. Are you growing it out for uh, anything specific, just, just for looks or whatever, uh, preference? And um, as far as the effects on the bud, is it more uplifting, sedating, or a little bit of a mix of both? I would say that it is relaxing, but not really sedative. And it's uh, mildly mentally stimulating in comparison to the things that I normally smoke such as like the lime, the lime stuff and the things that are high in like terpinaline and stuff like that. So that being said, 
Um, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more on the downy side for me, although I don't think it would have that same effect on a lot of people because most cannabis for me is mentally stimulating regardless of the variety. So that's kind of one thing that I noticed about some of the weed that I smoke. Uh, I don't normally, uh, okay. So I, uh, the Gruel Glue Lime One BX, man, I, me and uh, Carly smoked on some of that the other day and man, we were so mentally disoriented. I, I felt so stupid and it's not often that I smoke weed that makes me like, like just completely discombobulated. I like those sometimes, but uh, I have to set it aside for special occasion. For me, that was like banana split and uh, birthday cake are two of those strains where it's just like, I am incapacitated. Like I can't do basic math. I can't like walk to the mailbox and like get my shit. It's just like, you forget the keys, you have to walk back and it's just like beer mess. Uh, some stuff. Yeah. And you like get that. frustrated too, because you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me right now? It's like, dude, I am so motherfucking high, dude. Like, what the fuck in a way it actually like handicaps you but if you're just trying to have fun and like party then like it's it can be fun but for the most part uh, it's not my daytime go-to smoke by any means uh spartan i see you've got your mouthpiece over there i wanted to give an update i got uh one for me and one for my wife i use a vaporizer for my bong and she just smokes out of the bong and within a day hers is like black you can see like all the tar that would be in your mouth and lungs and all throat all that uh but vaporizing uh, everybody always talks about like how much healthier it is. That was the true testament for me because a month went by of me using it and you could barely even see like a slight little yellow tinge. It almost looks like a brand new filter. And I've literally just taken the filter out and I just use the mouthpiece for like a splash guard and uh, to have better <laughs> nice. draw through the bong. But um, yeah, definitely a cool product that Moose Labs uh, mouthpiece. Yeah, dude, I, I love it. I got one of those actually with the, all that I, uh, my, I need to go get into some new filters now, though. I used them all up. Dude, Thankfully, order, they're cheap. Yeah, you can order, like, if you order, like, in bulk online from them, you get them pre- way cheaper than you get them at the store. Well, what's it called again? Uh, mouth, or the website's just Moose Labs, I think. Moose Labs. Moose Labs, that's right. But it's yeah, weird, yeah, because like their website's different, or their parent company's different from their product. The product's called Mouthpiece, but the website's called Moose Labs. It's a little confusing. It is definitely. Uh, one thing that I thought was cool is on top of the bong, if uh, like cups ever start happening out here again, or like when people come around that I'm not familiar with passing joints or like even like a vape pen, it fits, it narrows down, like as you've seen in Spartans right over there to a point and it will fit perfectly like a raw cone or uh, the tip of a mouthpiece. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really is a pretty cool thing. And it's got the little lanyard that you can walk around with it just kind of hanging off your neck and uh, the only thing is it's kind of silicone and somebody said it kind of looked like a butt plug, which I thought was pretty funny, but uh, it's definitely not used for that. I'm cool yeah. with that. Whatever. <laughs> I think it makes for good conversation. <laughs> Why are you wearing a butt plug on your neck? Exactly. Hey, we're at a festival here. I'm always talk, talking about the butt chugging. My, my plants are butt chugging. So butt plug, that's just one more step, man. Just another step. I'm, you know, I'm already halfway All there. about the butt stuff. Shout out to butt chugging, man. The uh, bottom watering, I I, I do think it's definitely got its advantages, mainly that you just never over or underwater if you just look down that pipe and uh, make sure it doesn't go dry for too long. Even if it goes dry for like 6 or 12 or 18 hours, you're fine. But uh, as long as you refill it within, I'd say, 24 hours, uh, once it's established, sips are an incredibly fast and effective way to grow in organics. Man, I, I I just love them. And the only 
I said, I just sat there and thinking to myself, it's like, what could be better? You know, what can I do to improve, improve this? Where do I go next? And really, I think it's the only, <laughs> the only way I can get better as far as the watering system goes and how my plants are being fed would be aquaponics. And that's. No, no, no. It's to actually know. It's to know exactly what the plant is doing with what it's taking up. See, that's what, that's, what's different about what, what I'm able to do Spartan because when you, okay. So when you have a soil test, you can see how your soil, everything is in your soil. If it's balanced, where your pH is, where your EC is at, then you see how that salute, how that falls into solution when you water. And essentially you're looking at like that stage is kind of to me like where hydroponics would come in right to where you'd be right. mixing up your nutrients and you'd having it sufficient and balanced right so that is that aspect of that data collection point how does the soil that you have actually fall into solution so that way everything when you are watering you know what's available throughout those throughout that cycle but then when you're taking that tissue you can see you know, how, what falls in solution, what the plant is actually uptaking and what percentages. So you can make minor adjustments on what's falling into solution by what you're adding into the soil. And then and the final step for like cultivar specific SOP building is you take that sap. And what happens is let's say you've maximized all your target levels for tissue targets, right? And, and on your sap, it's saying that you're pulling phosphorus still from your lower lead from your lowers. That means that you still need more phos phosphate as it falls into solution. So that way it's not pulling from the bottoms and the whole plant is sufficiently fulfilled with all of the required elements. And once you do that, that's where you're maximizing all the potential where it's completely all filled and it's all balanced. So all your macro and micronutrients, right? Right. But that's, I agree with you with, um, with known science. Cause we we're, we're, we're the tests that we're testing for we're limited by the test and we're limited by our knowledge and science and biology and what's really going on. And what I say that I can still up my level by adding aquaponics. Uh, I'm adding the intangible of an aquaponic microbiome that is just by leaps and bounds more bountiful when it comes to diversity than you're going to find in any soil system. And so that is what's attracted me. And but my question is, but my question is, if you have everything that's balanced and sufficient in a system, but that's my point. What's is, the we point of that. We don't know what balanced and sufficient is. We have our best we, guess of what balanced and sufficient is. I mean, yes, there's hard science behind it, but that hard science is constantly changing. Well, yeah, like we, if, we used to say it was just it, MPK, and then but we're we, we're, yeah. we're talking about physical results, though, Spartan, time after time. So if something is like meeting uh, expected know, standard over and over and over, and you know what those levels and targets are, but my are, my point is, is that if I feed in a different way, I might be able to push the plant to things that I don't even pass what a standard. You know what I'm saying? Pass the standard. Pass what you know, giving it what it needs to, to survive. I'm saying, can we affect a plant in different ways, such where my mind goes is when a plant, plant's immune system- Are exposed to, so, exposed much to more. so much more. It has to adapt in so many ways that who knows what that can mean. Yeah. 
You know? I think like, I, I think of... I take a different approach than most people who are doing organics because oh I think you do too 100 but I can think... I jump in and say like look at what what Steve Reisner uh, Potentonic Steve is doing he's treating it kind of like Brandon what you're doing they're doing soil testing they're doing sap testing and they're using the biosolids and they're filtering them out and they're saying this much nitrogen is going in from this source and this much potassium and phosphorus they have it dialed in to specific uh, nutrient element ratios, just like a hydroponic system would be, just like your uh, dialed in uh, biological crop steering is doing. It's just a different means to sort of the same ends. And where Spartan's talking about is like, maybe there is, uh, because we kind of look back to like, and they didn't just think it was NPK, but a lot of the focus was on NPK. And then we talked about the micronutrients and there was 17 and there's 30 and then there's 50. And we always are constantly like, I, I'm with Spartan on, we're learning new stuff all the time. Yeah. So I think that there might be some goodies in that aquaponics. And the one result that I was kind of startled to hear, and I haven't achieved this yet with just my sips, but they're claiming that they get up to four inches of growth in veg with their aquaponics. And I've never seen that uh, even like in hydroponics. Uh, with four, four inches of growth of what? Yeah, like greenhouse for their mother plants. Every day, they're getting four inches worth of growth that they can take new cuts off of. Yeah, and it's that's some know. bamboo level so, stuff. So what he's like. doing is it's a dual root zone. So you you have so I'm I'm going to explain the best I know. I haven't done it myself, so bear with me. But you can sh shoot over to Potent Ponics channel to get the the lowdown. But anyhow, he's so imagine your pot in like your traditional smart pot, you know, fabric pot, or, or I think it's a hard pot he's using because at the bottom he's got wadded up burlap to keep the roots, something the roots can grow through, but it'll hold the soil block above it. So he's got a living soil block, your traditional living soil block above. At the bottom of the pot is your burlap. Uh, and then below that is a channel that he flood, that he, uh, basically think of it as like a giant RDWC that he's just, he's flushing his aquaponic water through the bottom almost. So you're almost like a DWC outdoor with a soil block above. Like so the arrow can, tubes. It's like arrow tubes with a, with a, uh, with a living soil system on top. Yeah. So there you go right there. So they got the hydrocorn there, but what he was using was uh, the burlap. And the reason he used the burlap is because it uh, makes like a diaphragm action. So when he floods, the water level goes up and down and it, it uh, acts as like a diaphragm or a accordion and it pulls air through the roots and you get way more uh, oxygen down through the root zone and air exchange. And that is why I think it's, I think that there, that air exchange, I think that's the key for that increased growth. Because it reminds me of DWC, where you're introducing air, you know what I mean? And then you get the benefit of the aquaponic water, which you, you can adjust the feed of the fish to get to adjust different nutrient levels. And then uh, the things that you couldn't feed to fish, uh, if they're toxic and things like that, um, you can still mess with um, feeding in small amounts so it doesn't run off into the soil block and the plant can still uptake those things. It's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. I just, uh, yeah, I, I want to get more into it. I just don't have the time to really mess, mess with it. Uh, but I, I am pretty even, and it's just super interesting to me. I don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt you there, Spartan, but I did want to tag in and say that I think it is kind of a, a cool thing. I, I honestly don't know, um, very much about like that microbiome and, and indeed, especially specifically with cannabis, a lot of people don't. Right. And that's a thing I've talked about before. I don't want to like 
rehash and rehash the same sort of points. But I do think it's very interesting. And I am intrigued to sort of be able to make use of both the soil microbiome and maybe optimizing it. And then also sort of a, uh, I guess, a water microbiome, a hydro microbiome that might be maybe not like, uh, I don't know, like everyone has a different definition of natural and organic and even regenerative agriculture. Um, so like, I just kind of don't want to, I, I don't know if there's a label for this, but uh, obviously I think our sensibly we could do both, right? We could, we could optimize both of those. We could find microbes and get isolates for both. Maybe even some that can work in both uh, zones even. Um, yeah, Steve has said a lot of the waterborne my, uh, biology can exist terrestrially for a long time. And that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, you know, like moist soils versus like a little bit drier. Like it's really, uh, um, yeah. Has, I mean, it's he, pretty he versatile, great, a lot of those microbes. Yeah, and he's a great resource. And this is where I get most of my love for the idea. It's mostly hearing him talk about it. I mean, he's a good friend of mine and I listened to him um, give presentations. I've went to his presentations and, and seen him. I am super interested, even though I'm not a, a lover of fish. I, I don't think everybody, I think most people, if they watch the Michigan Bros. Gross show, knows that it's not a, I know I'm not a huge into fish. I'm not a big fan of oceans. And I always but, forget that about you, Spartan. Yeah, that said, I will say, Brandon, what I've seen from your setups is more impressive than what I'm seeing, at least here. Um, Hearing the story of four inches of growth in veg is definitely impressive, but when I'm looking at like their rows, those might be of... the autoflowers though too. Oh, okay, oh, I don't know. Yeah, some autoflowers says... that were that that size. This is in their Oklahoma aquaponics. Um, the side of it's getting a little cut off for me, but uh, check out the amazing work. Uh, Bain and the crew at Vertical or Vertica Farms. Okay, so it's not his direct operation, but it's just uh, showing off. Look at that. that look, go back one. The, the root got so big it pushed the pot up out of the hole that they cut to go you know into the channel oh, oh, should i click the like different uh, post thing i gotta go back one second it was insane that you could the root got so big it just like pushed the entire pot up and it like hardened off and got like a skin around the root like they do look at that <laughs> it became like yeah like is that like callousing yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like I, a bark uh mom plant right one of these is mom plant. It's wild. It's just I'm not the sure. Whole thing up. Is one of these a mom plant? To be honest, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't recall. This looks like a flowering greenhouse. That's what he's talking about too. in one of his shows. I can't remember. But he's got cl he he has a classes on his website. So if anybody's interested, you can check that out. I do have a discount code. That's my only discount code. You can put in. I think it's Spartan, and you can get. You can get, I don't know how much off, 10% or something. DM that to Miss Nudie Grows because she's actually got a new job where she's going to be growing aquaponically and she's going through I the uh, potentomics course. Did. Okay, cool. Yeah, good, good, good. You know, that's actually, uh, you know, that might be a good segue. One group that I'm working with uh, right now, or at least I will be in a very uh, short uh, span of time, is the Rodale Institute um, up in Ventura. And they are... Uh, with McGrath Farms, I think, or Zeese Farms, uh, they're working towards um, uh, hemp, uh, finding hemp for like various uses, human consumption, not in the traditional <laughs> sense that we, we all know it um, through combustion, but like as a food source, also for livestock feed and things like that. And, and trying to find like ways to get rid of pests and also 
um, kind of optimize some of these cultivars of hemp for like various things like oil seed or, or, um, uh, or uh, with fiber. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Bass fiber and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm very excited about that. And microbiome research, I think, should be, you know, uh, although it is very difficult to do, um, I, I'm hoping that we can focus a little bit on that. And uh, maybe just even general things like identifying microbes. We're at that stage where even just like identification of, of the microbes that are associated, um, that still needs to be done a little bit more. Um, that's most of the research that I have seen. Um, and then we kind of already know some of those microbes so we can make a, um, predictions about how they interact generally. And other ones we either um, already tell or we, or we make the research to try to figure out what those interactions are in that research report or whatever that might be. I'm being a little bit less articulate, so I'll let the mic go to somebody else. But I was going to say, at least on a positive note for microbes, is that um, it's being talked about not just in the cannabis space, but I was listening to like a financial podcast called All In, where there's some big investors and they're talking about how that's actually one of the – like bigger business spaces that's happening right now uh, that they're studying different microbes and how to get higher food density and food yields and things outside of just the cannabis space. It's um, definitely on the forefront of technology. Who would have thought there'd be a transition from cannabis to agriculture? Isn't that amazing? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of of microbes, I don't know if you guys uh, got to see the video that I posted on the fulvic iron carrier with the fo- with the four different species of bacillus and the trichoderma. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not, but it looks like it's going right now. So I'm really, really excited about that because when I look at, <clears throat> when we're looking at soil redox um, things, go uh it's difficult for things to fall into solution um in organic and agronomic field soils and so having something like a microbe in an iron fulvic carrier is super important for the reason being that iron oxidizes so quickly between a ph range of around you know five, five to eight, it like the, the type of, um, biologically available to plants, iron is Fe2 plus, and it, it oxidizes super, super fast with moisture, with oxygen in a different pH range. And so it's really hard to keep the soil in solution, iron in solution. And so being able to do that with something like this, I think I'm going to see uh, a really uh, a really positive benefit, and I'm super excited to try it out. Can't wait, Brandon. So uh, it seems like there's different consortiums of microbes, or even just specific microbes in particular that are good at releasing, let's say, like nitrogen or phosphorus, yeah, um, and things like that. It seems like what I, at least from what I took from the conversation, that there are scientists out there who are trying to find different consortiums for almost every single nutrient, micronutrient, it's, it, macronutrient, et cetera. So they could say, it's, oh, we're- en- it's usually an enzyme production too, right? So it's either, so it's either the abilities to sequester and convert something like a, you know, nitro, nitro, uh, atmospheric nitrogen, or to release an enzyme that can turn an 
inorganic uh, mineral or into something biologically available, right? So that's one of the things that we're looking at. And here's what's really interesting for the, the micro plus that I have has a photosynthetic bacteria and it is a nitrogen fixing bacteria, the uh, Pseudomonas clustrius. And what I've noticed is with the continual use of that product, I'm using far, far less uh, inputs for nitrogen. So typically what I would use in veg would be alfalfa for slow release nitrogen and just amino acids, either as a foiler or as a drench a couple of times. And I find it that you have to use a lot less according to, you know, doing the tissue and sap testing. Um, and so that's one of the, also one of the reasons why I wanted to create a different consortium that I can use specifically for flour, because that's good for front loading and getting a lot of nitrogen in the tissue before you flip. But what I really want is I want the bacillus species that have the highest ability for enzyme production. And then I also want to be able to have the the ability to uh, accumulate iron because that's one of the things that I always see it's deficient in when it falls into solution and trichoderma and the bacillus species that I chose fulfill those requirements so I expect to see continued manganese solubility higher iron solubility higher phosphorate phosphorus phosphate solubility. Um, and then if the, what happens typically is when you increase phosphorus, phosphate, available phosphate, I typically see that other micronutrients become more available. And I'm not sure if this is just because the plant has more energy to create compounds where it can reduce those into a biological form in soil. Cause again, all the micronutrients, um, so uh, copper, zinc, manganese, and iron are all uh, two plus uh, cations. Cations, yeah. Yeah, only uh, boron is an anion. And so typically what will happen is they have, you know, the, the, the redox, they're in a state that's unavailable and the plant will have to release a type of like um, – uh, a type of exudates to, to solubilize those, right. Or release them or, you know, to just decrease the pH in the, in the root zone so that it's more biologically available. Right. You know, what I've always never understood about this and maybe Dr. MJ, you could help me out with the understanding. Is that like plants, like physiologically, like a lot of plants are going to have an, they have an immune system, right? An innate immune system. And they have various other pathways and things like this. Um, like ostensibly they build up resources in order to like have a reaction to certain things like what Brandon's talking about, like really natural responses, like the, the oxidant, the oxidation or the releasing of certain uh, mechanisms or, or catalyzing enzymes and that sort of mm -hmm. a thing. Those are already happening regardless of whether or not, or at least the priming for those things are happening regardless or not. So aren't they already putting energy into it regardless? 
they might not end up using it maybe because of what Brandon's saying, but don't they still like provision for it kind of? If, if that um, makes sense. No, the plant will produce fewer exudites, for example, to make nutrients available if those nutrients are already available. Okay. But like, um, but like the redox response and that sort of a thing, aren't those pathways primed or maybe not so much? Okay. So it's, it's it, an interesting question. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody on the panel or any of the listeners want to have a free course, it is with the region ag website with um uh hudsang i think this guy is a french is a french olivier Houssan. olivier Houssan, and he does a whole like probably four or five hour course and it's kind of complicated but i would recommend people would look up some of the things that he has done i personally don't agree with what he talks about i don't think that is represented in the empirical literature or what we currently call phytopathological literature uh i've read i've read quite a bit of the the research that he's talking about and to me it makes respect uh, uh makes sense but it's really mostly talking about different signaling pathways and the way the plant responds to the different uh abiotic and biotic stresses and how redox how these things are related to the mechanics of the production of the chemicals that are responsible for moving things around or for production of those enzymes or those oxidative, oxidative species. Um, and, you know, like, and they'll, sh and, and, you know, they, there's some interesting information about, and there's some also some real time. It's like a, it's a, microscope video where they like are able to stain the tissue and you can see like the calcium ion channels as like how they light up in response to different stimuli whether it's like an insect eating it or if it's uh, temperature variations and it kind of just goes through how the plants like p the the internal ph of that plant just kind of like um, the pH of soil, how different things are available for the, the different kind of internal mechanics. So that's kind of how I understand it. Yeah, I, I have to admit, um, I, I thought some of the things that uh, Husan talked about were, were interesting on the surface, but, uh, you know, like, are you talking, um, I know that on his website, or on a different website, perhaps, he has like a very famous graph. Um, I think it's attributed to him. And uh, it kind of, it's got like a, it's like a Cartesian coordinate graph. And uh, you've got like these big bubbles. Maybe John could, uh, John, maybe Jack could find uh, an example. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So could, what, what it's talking of what it's uh, okay so it's really complicated too because in chemistry there's different types of bonds that occur and usually elements don't freely float they're usually bonded to something else and so when we're looking at ph we're not just looking at what's available at a ph range we're looking at what is available at certain 
certain like electrical capacities because there's natural electric fields around all things. We know this through like physics and, you know, and chemistry. And so what they're also, what redox also is it's taking pH, it's taking electrical conductivity and the bonding capacities of different elements to other elements and how they are able to be separated, how they bond, how strongly they bond, the different types of, um, it, it's really interesting, right? Because in, in, um, when, when we're looking at uh, chemistry, like elements, different things have different spin rates as well, different, different uh, orbitals around their, their nuclei. And all these things inherently affect how, the, how they bond together. And some I thought of them, that was pretty basic chemistry, like, like valence and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, so all of that is is taken into consideration it's not just like oh this is available at this ph range we're also talking about how these elements are bonded to other elements and how they become available and that's part of the the redox and oxidation as far as i understand it yeah, I, I we had a question from the chat about the redox and they asked us if there's any good meters yet. And the one person I hear talk about it the most um, says that they're pretty expensive and that they don't actually work super well. So it's kind of a they say metric. Um, no, they didn't. I, I think it's um, Kingdom Aquaponics. I can't think of his actual name. Um, but oh, was he, it Leighton? Leighton. Leighton Morrison. Yeah, he's the one that I hear talking about it most often. Smiley's in the chat with us. He was talking earlier about uh, pH is hydrogen, uh, potential hydrogen, or EH, uh, protons, electrons. But he yeah, said, mentioned earlier that it need, needs something to react off of. It's, it's it needs an energy input to reduce. So I don't know if that was in regards oh, to... Oh, that makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, you like because you're measuring a reaction in and of itself right so it's very variable is that kind of the problem and he also in, said oxidized state of fe for example is plus three and the biology reduces that or adds an electron to make fe plus two yes and so it requires you know here's the thing though right if iron fe2 plus it will stay fe2 plus in certain conditions, right? Whether they're like low oxygen anaerobic conditions, which some nutrients are better acquired at, there are, or low pH or like really high pH. So what happens is there's different ranges and different conditions in which they will be able to be stabilized as something that's biologically available to a plant. Yeah, right. but like you were pointing out, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I've All talked right, to well, you. I was just going to point out that uh, Jack pointed out in the chat that even like a foot over, if you have a whatever in a 10 gallon pot, the, the EH could be different in like one section and another section. And probably I know the pH, they say the pH is different right at the root level and all that stuff. So I think most of that metered stuff is just to give you an idea of where you should be at. And it's not really because like they ha I had a discussion with uh, do organic growers need a pH meter. And I would say you, it depends. If you know your water is going to be below eight or, or, you know, like around seven, then you probably don't. Seven, around seven or lower, whatever. If it's close, I don't think you do. But if it's 
if you have a variable input, like if the pH in your tap is one day eight and one day five, you might want to check it every once in a while too. That's, that's one comment set. I had on the pH as far as organic growing goes. The guys over at Michigan Made Mix, shout out to uh, M3 Swan Swanson and the crew over there. They tested their M3, which is a water only soil with like five, 5.5, 6, 6.5, 7, 7.5, 8, all the way up to nine, I believe. And they got their best results with 6.5 pH in their soil mix. Mm -hmm. I do think that it is going to be specific to the type of soil that you're using. Like uh, mm -hmm. peat is going to be a little bit more acidic to my understanding. So you have to mix it in a way that, um, but. You do your day, calcium inputs. If you have an adequate amount of calcium in there, it'll usually keep that pretty high. I run a pretty, I like to run a pretty high soil pH too, 6.5 to about six. I like to run mine about 6.8. Yeah, so I think if you're within that range, you probably won't have. Yeah, and a peat-based media, 6.8 is perfect. Yeah. Some people argue that the microbes will change the pH um, to, to the proper range, but my thought would be, um, I think Spartan said this in the past too, if you can just pH it to the range that they want already, then they're using less energy to change the pH, and more of that energy is being used to unlock nutrients to provide things to the plant, uh, responding to the exudates and things like that. So one of the things that um, that happens is pH drops typically because biology is creating a bunch of organic acids. For instance, the, like the lac, the, the bacillus species, they create lactic acid, as, uh, acetic acid, I think is how it's pronounced. Acetic acid? Acetic acid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we knew Thank what you. you meant. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, mispronounce things constantly um, and so that will drop the ph so when you have a buffer though things like um like uh high uh high calcium ag lime or wollastonite is the thing that i use that's calcium silica and what that'll do is and also using granular potassium sulfate as my top dress will always help keep the soil ph high even though when i water in like the micro plus it'll drop my my, my water to like four but it's all right because there's the so the so the water is clean and that buffer from the soil ph isn't going to allow it to keep dropping because every time i'm watering it's releasing a little bit of that calcium into solution a little bit of that potassium which has a really high uh, pH. And so it's inherently, it just kind of keeps the soil high that way. I'm, I'm a real big fan of, of granular uh, top dress amendments right now. I like 6.6 .6 personally in my garden that I've tried and in uh, and, and Pete and um, for two reasons for what Jack said, 6.5 is kind of, or 6.6 .6 is, is the target range that works well, but the other reason is, is for me, I, I know it's all living things, all the microbes as small as that and all the way up to the plant itself, they're all living things. And in my experience, in my 42 years on this planet, all living things thrive on consistency. So if, if you're wildly giving it just this and that and all over the place, it has to make adjustments. But if you give it the same pH every single day, that's one thing that's constant that it doesn't have to fuck with that that's one less stress on the plant or, or whatever, you know what I mean? 
So, I mean, that's just my thought process behind it all. Just give it a consistent. I like that perspective. I suppose that like um, at the same time, sometimes you're trying to stress them out. And we've talked about that before with like peppers and grapes. Um, so it becomes like a delicate balance of like, in what ways do I want to stress that I don't have reactions that I don't want, essentially, uh, instead of the reactions that I do want. Um, and I, I, I that's one of the things that I think of too. You know, if you have something like at a neutral pH and you add something in that's really acidic, what, how does, you know, how does that soil going through like what is happening as far as chemically to that soil it's going through all of these reactions that's one of the things that i want to know more about like what is the physical chemistry that's happening because i think of things like i'm like when you mix baking soda and vinegar together and you see that there's an immediate reaction from something that's high and low and i want to know what is becoming available when you're mixing because what's really interesting is the way that they extract the nutrients for these different testing is they're using weak acid extractions and so if you're adding some kind of weak you know like an acidic um water to uh to your soil that has a higher ph i mean i'm really curious to know like yeah what's happening. And so what I'm going to do uh, with my R and D box that I have going, I'm going to start taking before and after uh, soil tests and having those tested. So I can kind of see what is available at, and like what's kind of happening and hopefully start playing around with some and getting some data on kind of maybe the yeah, Brandon, I was, I was wondering like when you, when you top feed, like you're saying, how like does it adjust in the first inch as it's going down? Does the pH change that quickly, or or is it? Uh, yeah, as I'm it goes about down that further, too. Does it change? I, you know, that's like you that can okay. Cool. I these reactions are happening instantly. If I take like a mineral sulfate in my, and I took it in my hand and added it to the water, I can feel that stuff heating up in my hand. I can feel the reaction, right? And it's it to me. I'm like, it just makes me think a lot. You know, I get really, yeah, yeah. really stoned before I go in water. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot too, man. Good work. You know, uh, Brandon, oh, I don't mean to interrupt you go here, ahead. but uh, Jack, let me screen share so I could send it. We were talking about this map earlier. Um, and I think this is made by Husan. Uh, it says here down here, 2019. And there seems to be somewhat of a citation, though. I'm not sure what that refers to exactly. And I'm well, curious, do you, have you seen this? And do you know so, yeah, how it works? I do. But I this but this right here is kind of like, you know, I don't understand this. There are some things that are for chemistry when we're talking about um, elements, you know. And he has another one that's EHPH. And it's going to be a, a, a redox. PH. It is, but this looks like he's talking about plant health and, you know, why particularly something might not be susceptible, which, you know, I don't agree with because I'm on the same, I'm in, in the same place that you're at, Matt, with that because Mother Nature is, it evolves very, very quickly and it adapts very quickly. And to just be able to simply say, hey, this can't happen. Um, no, it, can, it, I, it can I just it can. make a comment on that? Um, 
not to say that that isn't what they're saying, but let's just maybe look at it from a different perspective. What if this is an observational, because like Matthew said, I haven't seen the paper this is attached to and I haven't read the information. But when I look at this, my thought is this is an observational uh, scientific, you know, they're, they're just observing in, in certain cultivation environments when they see the EH and pH in certain ranges, that's when they're seeing the viruses pop up or insects pop up or fungi. And the one that we talked about that I mispronounce all the time, the omycetes. The omycetes, yeah. Yeah, so Mycetes. those, yeah, so those um, maybe come up in that range where you see at the bottom of the screen with the bacteria. And maybe it's just, like I said, observational. Maybe they're not trying to say, like, if you're out of this range, it'll never happen. But yeah, yeah this we would see be this statistics, it, like, you know, probabilities. Absolutely. But oh, what was that? Is, I didn't hear that part. Sorry. Maps like to... this would tend to show probabilities, I would think. I mean, I've never seen this before either. So okay, so what this lie. is right here, EH is measured in millivolts, and the electrical is kind of like the... I, I like I said, a lot of this is still over my head, and I'm tr really still trying to understand it because I didn't not mean a, to put anyone. Uh, a I was just hoping. I was hoping. Yeah, I but mean, yeah, I, I have. I, I have seen I this. I with you. Chemistry is not my strong suit at all. I'll have to admit that right here. Um, so, but there is a chart, and it's kind of like an updated pH chart, and it doesn't just show like the bar graph where it says, "Hey, you know." calcium is available between this and this at best range it's it's more like this and it shows you know at what uh electrical capacity things are better at what ph at what uh like temperatures i think it is all included in in the chart and it's mainly about how these things kind of become biologically available well, I mean, I was I was hoping that uh, you might have been able to shed a little bit more light. I do agree with you, though, of course, that like I do find this might be a little bit too rigid, maybe. But, um, you know, I, I was hoping that since you had gone through the, the or that you'd seen the Hussan stuff that maybe you had a little bit more insight. But um, well, he, me... there's there's a uh, there's a research paper I've done. a have downloaded a bunch of different stuff on. Um, redox stuff and it's again like i'm not a, a research scientist i'm just a dude who grows weed and i've been doing it for a long time so i have to read these things over and over and over and over yeah i'll point out that john kemp well i know that name brings up but he points out that the huh. microbiology in the soil changes all the studies in the lab because in you know if you take whatever falls into solution at a certain pH and all this, but it changes when there's microbiology added and it, and it, uh, it definitely affects things, which is well, true. Yeah. I believe it's yeah. hard. It's really hard to do that, you know, for a lot of things, like, um, even like with, with you, when you get uh, clones, you get some clonal variation, you kind of can't win. <laughs> That's why we also talked to... a little last week about how, um, Oh, should I just lost my train of thought? Cause my cat jumped up on me. But... <laughs> I guess um, the different, like, I, I was thinking about something different. I, I, I don't want to change topics, so I'll let you keep going, Matthew. Oh, if you're okay. sure. Um, I was just going to say. Um, oh, here it is. Now, yeah, now I've lost my, look at look at that, Jack. You've I'll lost, say, let's let Brandon. Derailed the thought train. <clears throat> like in a laboratory, it's different than in the field. That's what yeah, I'm exactly. really It's, on it's very hard out. to, yeah, very that's why you should replicate yeah. or try to replicate things. And that's why it's so important yeah. to read those materials and methods. I so, suppose. 
Let me ask you this, Matt, because I have a lot of people who are like, hey, you know, I want to test my compost and look through a microscope. And, and I know from, I know that there are billions of species of microorganisms and a lot of them have the same shape and they look alike and you can't really identify what those are or the specific strain of what those are if it's actually pathogenic if it's beneficial without understanding what type of metabolites they're producing uh where what uh you know if they're oculative if they're aerobic um and and without you know knowing for sure so that's my kind of thing. And it's like, you can see if there's a lot of stuff in there, like if there's a lot of biology, I think from a microscope and you can see that there's a lot of different stuff, but I don't, I'm not certain that it doesn't def, you know, really necessitates uh, that it's, you know, a certain thing. And I feel like there's people out there that are claiming uh, to know what is there with without like really knowing what's there well yeah and like if you want to be really you know cantankerous and like about it you know microbes are the probably the archetypical example of like something that kind of wrecks the species concept kind of right like you know at some point it's sort of arbitrary like i know with certain viruses um because they replicate so gosh darn much if they have like um you know in certain cases right i'm not trying to generalize the entire group here but like in certain cases like if they've got like 99 percent or 95 percent the same dna it's like the same virus or the same or maybe even the same strain if it's even more but there's a little bit of stuff different and as you know tons of microbes will change up their genomes by mixing genes with each other horizontal horizontal gene transfer baby right so and like, i and that's you know and, are those and, the same thing at it, that it, point yeah no not i mean functionally probably words? not in fact in fact on purpose functionally not like that's that and that's why it happens right exactly. and it's not the only kind of evolution out there right so like it is sort of like <laughs> what is it's a black box problem right I, that's the way i feel about it and i don't you know it's hard for me to wrap my head around you know, trying to determine if you have something of quality determined, on, you know, by using a microscope. Well, I think last week, I remember For us, I when it comes to soil, I mean, or compost. Or even like inside the plant, right? Like endophytes and stuff. Like that's what, I think that's why I found what Spartan was talking about earlier. So, so cool um, is that like, you know, maybe it would be interesting to see if novel. that promotes different species of endophatic microorganisms. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there's I some mean, novel ones out there that to I mean, me, it's not like it's not a matter of if it's like how many I mean, because the right the vastness of the microbiome that it's going to be exposed to. It's like saying, is there life in, in, in space? Yes, there's life in space. We just haven't found it yet. No, 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 it's, oh, oh, wait, uh, yeah, so actually, like, the, the Pentagon, actually, it's, like, official, (laughs) I'm familiar, it's totally official, they had to, so what happened was some video footage was released, uh, leaked to one of the news, uh, reporting corporations, 
and it was Target. It was the uh, Target lock-on footage. Gun from, camera footage. Yeah, the, the, the gun camera footage. And, and, the, and the pilots are like, you know, again, so they were basically forced and then in the uh, the stimulus package or whatever, I guess it part of that they whole, snuck it in. Yeah, dude, they snuck in a thing where it says the Pentagon has to release all of the in, known information. And so what happened is the Pentagon put together a new program for uh, gathering the information on all of the uh, UFO phenomena. Uh, it's like a aerial uh, unknown aerial phenomenon. Uh, organization or yeah, if you think they're going to give us everything then yeah of course I found those pretty right. interesting I thought but, those, those accounts were pretty odd but, but you know I mean, what my, my point still holds I mean I mean yeah. of course of course that's going to be you know what I mean of course it's going to be it's just a matter of science or testing or whatever it's going to take to yeah. catch up to catch up to it so well, you know, I, if it's which ones are beneficial to us, like, is there what about, any, but what I really yeah, want to see is what they're producing, beneficial. you know, because we're always looking at like cannabis. Oh, what, what are the cannabinoids? What are the terpenes? What are the benefits? That's what we're really looking at anyway. Right. Okay. So what is this species of bacillus doing? Oh, it has the highest amount of phosph uh, phosphorus solubilizing enzyme that's known. And that's why they use it in like, you know, uh, commercial scale for x y and z you know we're looking at i'm looking at different things to see like what is known for the highest production of x y and z because that's really what i want to try to get without having to the plant to have to release energy to do it you know so i want to give a second to kyle breeder who didn't get any chance to talk at all tonight but uh he's told us he was only going to be able to join us for the first hour and we're coming up to that final uh three minutes two minutes now so i wanted to give kyle a chance to sneak in any thoughts he might have on uh tonight's episode and uh any final shout outs he might want to drop before he leaves uh yeah i mean i'm just uh so this whole organic world obviously i mean as you guys all know and anyway that's been following us is uh i'd say maybe in the last I don't know, six months that i've just been getting into it so i'm still learning a lot from uh, all you guys and you know all you guys different feeds and feedbacks so uh i mean it was just more of me for to absorb it all in <laughs> this episode but uh but yeah, I think it's an amazing thing, man. I think anybody who can learn organic farming and just, you know, I mean, I, I have such an appreciation for, you know, we all drive by these farms and stuff, and stuff like that, or like, you know, and you just kind of figure, you know, I feel like a lot of still people think that farming is just like adding water when it's like, you know, for me getting into it, there's like this an extremely whole different world of, of, of farming. I have such an appreciation for all these farmers that are able to have like, you know, I mean, it's like hard I, as fuck. Yeah, like I go to my mother's house now and I even just look at, or it's anybody's house and just look at their 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 random little garden. I'm just like, wow, like, you know, and, and, and a lot of them are not doing that well. And it's like, if you just do some research and there's like so many things, I'm like telling my own parents like, hey, you should be doing this and you could add this and the microbes and uh, I don't know, it's just a really cool thing. And it's, a, it's something I'm actually really intrigued with. But, uh, but other than that, yeah, um, my name is Kyle Breeder. Uh, I do have feminized seeds. If you if you don't already know, I have a website which is uh, the letter P followed by breeding.com, pbreeding.com. And yeah, if anyone wants to see what I'm doing, um, I'm on all social media platforms, and I am doing a couple collaborations with some people. Uh, Brendan is one of them. If if he's still interested in that, and yep, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be doing uh, some Lamarilla projects because yeah. everybody wants to wants Lamarilla. Yeah. Yeah, it should be some interesting stuff. And then I reached out to uh, Green Bodhi and Mean Gene too. And there's some kind of things going on in the works there too. So there should be some really big things coming up. Because I have like. Uh, and full duplex with the autos. Shit, you got to 
whole full plate. Yeah, it's hard, man. Oh, yeah. I've reached out to some people, and you know, like I understand that everyone's kind of like build their own brand, but it's just hard for people to just collaborate when really we should all kind of be working together to some to some point, you know. So, um, you know, a lot of people shut me down. Some people were were about it and just kind of like you know into that like synergistic, just working with each other type relationship. So, uh, I do have like eight or nine uh, varieties that uh, are different than what I've been carrying. Because obviously, as you guys all know, I've been carrying the same stock for like. I don't know, like a year and a half. I've been kind of just searching for better, really good material for my next drop. So there should be some good things happening, man. 2021 is going to be a good year. So, uh, but anyways, I'm just glad everyone's here. I got everyone safe and uh, take care, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. That's peabreeding.com. He just hooked up my family with some free seeds. Uh, big ups to Kyle Breeder. I trusted uh, him to get some feminized seeds in my own family's garden uh, to find something reliable, photo period, uh, stress tested. And uh, you know, a lot of people that I've seen here on this panel grow it and in this community grow his stuff have great results. So, I'm excited to see my family grow some out uh, for their first grow. Their last little bits of their soil is about to come, and they're going to mix it up. So cheers. Shores love there, buddy. See you later, dude. What's up, Kyle? Later, guys. Again, thank Girl you so much, Kyle, Kyle, for coming. And I want to give Aaron the grower. All righty, welcome, oh, Aaron the ATG. grower. ATG. Cool. Oh, Aaron's here. Very cool. Up, Aaron. What up, guys? I snuck in the back door while you were all chatting. I thought I felt something. Yeah. When are you going to be out I here in Oklahoma? Dude, I'm leaving. To, I'm, I know I'm coming. I'm coming for you. Uh, we're jumping in the Dodge on Tuesday morning. We should be there Wednesday night. We're, uh, I'll, I, got, I got a bunch of shit to do. I don't know if you can make it my way, but if you can't, I will make it your way like in a few days after I get there. Cool. I got a bunch of stuff for you, man. Fuck yeah, bro. Me too for you. Sweet. Oh, dude, guess what, guys? What? Okay, so what? I, you know, I see so people always tag me in posts and they're like, oh, you got to check this out. And somebody tagged me in one of their posts and it's somebody that uh, was following me and I, and he has this machine that can like custom dose out uh, organic amendments. So if I wanted to do custom mixes with whatever it was and i were to um look at a soil test and say oh i need this 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 and this this thing will load me up with everything i need it'll mix it all for me in the right ratios it'll mix it up spit it out <clears throat> and uh not only that but this dude's like yeah you know i'm gonna i'm gonna hook you up he's like yeah i've got a bunch of, i got a huge seed bank if you want anything i was like dude you got any starfighter i've been looking for that forever he's like uh let me see and he hit me back he's like um, he's like, dude, yeah, I have some original starfighter seeds and he's like, I'll shoot them to you. And then he sent me tracking and, and I'll have them on the 25th, dude. Damn. Nice. How many are you getting? Do you know, you uh, an open pack. So I don't know. However, it was in, 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 in a pack starfighter seeds. Oh man. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so excited. That is going to be epic. You guys know what I'm going to do with that. It's going to be insane. Not to throw water on your fire, but in my experience, not to like, again, be the killjoy when there's an open pack and you ask somebody like if i went over to somebody's house and no say, this is an unopened pack oh, okay i thought you just said it was opened a second ago but whenever no. i ask somebody like I, I usually ask what do you have as opposed to hey do you have this because of an answer for most people is always going to be yeah i got this and look we'll go in the back and come out with a bag with that labeled on there you know what i mean so uh that was the only thing i'd be wary of uh, but yeah it'd be cool if it's an original pack hell yeah cheers to that you're as cynical as me, Jack. Skeptical. <laughs> Not cynical, yeah. skeptical. Skeptical? All right. <laughs>
Allegedly starfight. No. Honestly, Brandon's such a competent grower and breeder at this point that I, you know, I don't even care about the pedigree. Uh, it's going to be awesome, especially if he's mixing it with stuff Things you already know really is great. Turn out good, man. I'm really happy. We have some great people. You know, we got great team, man. Oklahoma's been really great to me. And yo, I like your new thanks. dog, Brandon. Oh, you guys want to see it? I'll be right back. Yeah, dude, Chubby Chase. Chubby nose. Chase. Yeah, Say his name. Is... <laughs> Chubby Chase, that furry little, what is it, a French bulldog or something? No, it's a, uh, I think it's an, uh, well, it is a bulldog. It's American like bulldog, maybe? American, maybe? I uh, know, but it's got the puggiest face, man. That thing is. <laughs> I know Spartan Grown's got some dogs. Uh, you're muted over there, Spartan, I think. I was, I was just saying, if it's a bulldog, I think it's an English bulldog. But it's hard to tell when they're puppies. Your dogs are awesome, Spartan. Every single time I see you make a post, it's like one of them sitting on your lap and the other one's either close by or like uh, also sitting right there with you. Oh, yeah. yeah but you guys got to check out this it. dog. Okay, this is, chubby, this is face, chubby, chubby Chase right here. What kind Hold of dog on. is it, Brandon? That's he's nice. an he's an English bulldog. English, Nailed that it. was it. Yeah. And so, like, hey, we're gonna teach him how to skateboard. He's got an extra roll on top of his nose, man. That's Look so cute. So <laughs> That's how you know it's a real English bulldog. <laughs> he's such a cool, like little mellow dog too. He's a farmer. Very, very cool. Mellow. Cool little neuter. Does he uh, eat the cannabis leaf yet? Have you started feeding him? Oh, that? dude, yeah, he was trying. Well, he's teething, so he's he'll chew on anything. So we got to keep him away from plants right now. Mm-hmm. But he's got a bunch of toys. All my unused males that I'm not using for breeding get fed to my cats, and they fucking love them, man. I'll, I'll, they're like my house plant for a week, and then they're half eaten, and it's gone before you know it. They're like, yeah. eat it to the stock. <laughs> I better go put him back. I'll be back. They say it's healthy fiber for any pet owners out there, especially for cats. It helps prevent fur balls and uh, good healthy fiber. So cheers to that. Did you guys see that shaman pack that C-Dub sent me? Yeah. Did, but tell the people what he sent oh, there because that was badass. The one he Dude. sent me was shaman pack number one. So you, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Yes. I'm so, I feel so fucking connected now. So he sent me snow cane seeds from Mendocino, tw- uh, 2020 Mendocino. Uh, haze for days, uh, or original haze, uh, by Mr. Toad or, uh, uh, yeah, that can't remember the guys, the real filial or something like that. Um, so, and then a bunch of, uh, crystals and, uh, rocks. So like some tourmaline and rough quartz, some, uh, quartz crystal some opal and some oh gosh what was the last the obsidian and some really beautiful beautiful stones i posted a video so you guys could check it out and fast forward through it because i dab in the beginning and you know how live videos are you just like wait for people to get in there so bullshit you know fast through that but but yeah it's really cool shout out c-dub man like he really outdid himself um i'm working on like a retaliation package because at this point this is gift war so i'm just gonna throw together some hash and shit and some 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 really cool stuff and yeah hey have how's any of the panel members heard of ormus oh what's ormus i guess it's like the way is it explained to me 
was it's like a hold on I'm gonna have to google that shit again I haven't heard of it shout out to Yong Long Ping since I have a moment uh, one of the most brilliant agronomists in the world uh, just recently died okay. he was 91 alright if you can go Brandon there's oh, your history shit. lesson oh maybe I can talk some more no, what happened <laughs> no I was just talking about that um a gentleman who died recently, the the rice hybrid breeder, the guy. Um, uh, oh, I saw that on yeah. your post. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, tell us what you were talking about. Monoatomic particles. Mono monoatomic elements. Like monoatomic gold. Uh, it keeps you young. Like pure. Basically. Um, no, it's is I guess supposed to be. Oris like Aram for gold? Is that what you mean? Oramus, O R M U S, but I don't mean for like gold. Uh, somebody that's the only th that I was I talking to before. Yeah, somebody I was talking to. He's partner. He's partnered with um, a guy. A guy who used to work for Monsanto, but he didn't like what Monsanto was doing, and so he started an organic fertilizer company. And uh, he was actually, I guess, a NASA researcher is what what he did and then he worked for the a, a couple other large corporations and they were talking about uh, using monoatomic elements which i don't know they have i don't I, know man i just googled it and i'm seeing ormus stress and anxiety relief with smooth spiritual energy yeah it's uh it's <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely hokey pokey when you look that up um he actually sent me to a, a science website that had a bunch of um wow sounds right up my alley uh, i'll it. find it i'll find it in all science co i see is uh selling it uh no it's, i think it's it's supports it's an ability probably to... probably all snake oil but crystals yes oh Maybe this is uh, ORM. I mean, this is not maybe not what you're talking about, but uh, it says here um, scientifically coined the term or term is ORME orbitally rearranged monoatomic elements, aka ORMIS or M state. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Uh huh. A white powder of gold and platinum group metals. Yeah, it's, it's called to be. Shemana. I don't know. I don't know. I've never. I, somebody told me about it, and uh, I'm. They're gonna send me a sample of some. So I'm gonna see. I have an it. Buck. I'm gonna. Curious. I'm just kidding. I'm just seeing is if anybody has ever plants, heard. Brandon? Oh, is yeah. it for plants? I thought it was for people. I, no, 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 no. This is this is like. That's the, what I was trying to. Okay, ask. so they're doing that. They're not. It's not gold and platinum. They're. They're yeah, micro, it's micro it's like yeah, all the micronutrients for, for, for fertilizer, but somehow it, I, I just don't, I, I, I'll have to go and like, I, again, I haven't gone through all the websites. I don't see a lot of that, but yeah, I sort of see what you're talking about. I don't see a lot of evidence of people doing that for plants via but the Google machine. Yes. Perhaps it makes it more available easy, right? Is that the gist of it, Brandon? That he says it makes it available to the plant easier, or what was the? Yeah, it's know, supposed to make yeah. it's supposed to make all the all the elements more available. Some I don't I don't exactly know exactly how it works. I was just wondering if anybody else had heard of it because somebody had 
said something to me and I was like, it sounds interesting, you know, and I had talked to him and these are the kinds of things that I'm inherently skeptical of. I think things well, like obviously, are, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> they, they appeal to our desire for cannabis to be more magical um, and less sort of botanical than it actually is. But uh, you know, it'd be. But I'm curious. Uh, I'm, and magical. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty <laughs> exactly. It's magical enough. <laughs> yeah Trust right me. exactly it's, it's magical enough if you went back a hundred years people would think growing plants with lights is fucking magical you would get like burned at the stake for even like proposing the idea like, like electricity like, send waves yeah. Yeah. visible <laughs> waves at plants that you can't see with your eye or feel with your hand but it's going to grow the fucking plants so like technology is magic today and so what was a hundred years ago not even dreamed about no i, I get that isn't there isn't there like but a there saying also, that magic and technology are like indistinguishable you're talking about or... clark's laws that's for it's usually for fiction but it's yeah. sort of applicable in real life right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, more, more. there's an approach based on sort of observation and evidence and then there's an approach based on sort of desire and wishful thinking um not, that's really the difference both of them can sort of be empirical or come across as empirically valid um, but science is inherently skeptical in that way. So it tries to falsify things, um, and really tries to always knock things down. And when you find people sort of just promoting things, that's inherently not scientific approach. That's why a lot of hypotheses got to be made in a way that they can be falsifiable, right? Or like, or a theory, for example, like you can't just say, oh, I don't, I just don't think that's the case. Well, then what do you think it is? Well, right. You try to falsify it. You try to show that it's it, it could be something else, or that it is something else in some circumstances, and then that that refutes the hypothesis. Like, uh, you can never confirm hypotheses in science. You can only not refute them. Um, and mm. if you don't refute them long enough, and if everybody struggles to refute them, then eventually we assume that they're correct and that they're true. But you can't really confirm them. Um, that's confirmation bias. And a lot of sort of pseudoscience focuses on that sort of confirmation bias and showing you the, the cases where it did work or where it appeared to work or other things like that. That's an awesome explanation, Dr. MJ. Well, it's important that. also to, to acknowledge that because so much science isn't replicating right now that's it, being published. Like I've seen as much as 80% isn't being peer reviewed and uh, replicated. So it's interesting that a lot of the stuff is being taken as like what we used to think of as science was peer review replication. A lot of it's not going through that same process anymore. So it's certainly it's, not when we're, when we're relying on things like, like corporate white papers and other things like that for, for the sure. evidence. Yeah. And that's yeah, a different process Tied to the whole. Um, so even I have medicine, a website though, like, like can not even cannabis right now because it's not far enough along but like pharmaceutical medications like that's still a, a practice they don't have that down to a perfect science yet but they get as close as they can to like well you never know there's always edge cases there's always edge cases right yeah like if it, like i always give the example if tylenol helps 999 people out of a thousand but it kills one they consider that a fantastic drug because it helps so many people and it harmed so few, relatively speaking, in the percentages. And that sounds horrible. Number needed about. to treat and number needed to harm if you want to search that at home, audience. What, what's real really thing. interesting is that if you look at some of the largest pharmaceutical manufacturers, they are, you know, the same as some of the people who 
also produce a large amount of food. And there's kind of a reason because medicine has been institutionalized to really treat symptoms and not the core cause. Um, and the core cause is usually poor nutrition. <laughs> well, they looked at food as medicine for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And it makes sense now that you're talking about pharmaceuticals wanting to control the food as well, because if they can control the food and Bayer Monsanto under, under Just saying under nutrient supplied food, that's not as nutrient dense, then people will have more ailments that can be treated by the pharmaceutical. Like well, you're talking about, you know, it's a would you of- like some heroin and GMO food? I mean, well, people so don't even guys, look at their food as, I mean, as, health, right. as healthful, you, right? Like people second. will be like, I want to have a McDonald's, you know, people. It's an American corporation. Let me, yeah, let me explain I know, something. You it's guys crazy, have seen the lawyer, the lawyer commercials. If you've been harmed by whatever drug, you, you know, we'll get your money. So these companies are putting out drugs they know are going to hurt. Uh, like, so they're going to make a billion dollars in profit and going to get sued by the people they kill for a million dollars. So they'll release that drug knowing they're going to make so much money, even though they know it's going to kill people. Just like cars. I mean, because it's all about the money. It has nothing to do with your health or anything. Yeah. That's why cannabis is so important. And it is. And it's, you know, it's why cannabis is so important because if you can provide, if you're growing cannabis, chances are you might start growing your own food. Like Noah, you know, Noah I, he I, wanted to jump in and he hasn't gotten a chance to talk yet the whole yeah, show. So I'm give Noah. Yeah, no, uh, the thing when it comes to nutrition is, is that even people that think they know a lot about it, you don't really, you don't really think about it until you really have like a health scare. I've been there and man, now it's like, I see other people eating stuff all the time. I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't believe people put the stuff in their bodies. And it, it does kind of bring it back to cannabis and growing everything. I mean, you just, that's why I like myself right now. I'm just trying to kind of go down this whole just living soil, just organic growing like everybody else, you know, just because I'm trying to do the best thing I can for the environment, but also for myself personally, my own body. And I just wish more people would take uh, consideration for their actual bodies and what they're putting into it. And yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, that's all. No, 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 it's nothing to be sorry about. I wanted to comment on the nutrition thing because when I was growing up, if you look at the food pyramid and you look at it today, people would laugh at how much bread they're considering people to eat. They wanted you to eat so much carbs and, and so much cheese and milk and dairy. And now it's like almost done a complete flip. Like they, uh, the veggies and fruit and stuff was like in tinier portions where the other things were in much larger portions. And generally, I think like when you look at a medical doctor, they go through several years of uh, education and less than six months of that is typically guided at nutrition and mental health. Less so, than less than probably, you know, 24 hours of their whole entire uh, course is. You have to remember probable that. here. But just to point out the fact that most doctors are not nutritionists and even nutritionists in That's 20 true, years ago didn't have they a great idea like, versus today. We're, we're still learning a lot. This is like a new field. It's like psychology where it's like it's not fully discovered yet. We're still have a limited understanding of the way the mind works and the way that the diet works. And it goes down to like microbes even because the gut biome, they talk about how it's one of the shortest pathways is from your gut to your brain. And it relates all back to the microbes in in a a sense, because what you're eating and what you're consuming affects how you're thinking and how you're feeling. So it's all even your genes, right? Different people have different, some people can't even metabolize certain things that other people can or at the same rate or, you know, so like, it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about like, you know, pharmaceuticals, whereas like, or really any kind of thing that you're taking that's supposed to have an effect on your body. Normally it's nutrient sequestration, that's food. 
sustenance but like you know the chemicals in those things that you drink that's why you get sort of you know weird things that happen or like maybe not weird because they're totally make sense because of what you've eaten uh but like yeah, that's sort of an inarticulate way of just saying that what you ingest, what you get exposed to, um, obviously has an effect on your body. Um, and sometimes it's really more overt and other people, it's not even, it's no factor. Um, it's interesting at the genetic level. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting that it, there's no one right answer kind of like growing with like a diet. Mm. Like if you want to live as long as possible, say I want to live to be like Tao, I'm going to be 150 years old, the first person to do it, eating a cookie a day uh, edible. <laughs> like if that's my goal, that's one thing. But if I want to be an Olympic power lifter, those are not the same goals. So like right. if I want to be the world's strongest man, I know my life expectancy is probably going to go down because the physical intensity of those types of exercises. If you just look at the data, those people don't have really long lives. It's like a St. Bernard doesn't live as long as like a fucking chihuahua like the bigger thing uh, it, it's hearts working harder they tend to not have as long lives as a more smaller frail so like you see sometimes like vegans have really long lives but maybe they're not getting the oh no we're gonna oh, get accordion we jack I, well, I think only for we're a moment. wandering into the world of of um well Nutritional not really science. related to cannabis growing no, anymore uh, not to say the vegans can't build muscle things like that yes we've we've gone into the weeds oh the so king toes I mean, a little dead. into the weeds it's been interesting but yeah yeah i mean I, and i actually saw some some comments in the chat talking about um like western versus eastern medicine i would challenge people to not you know i don't know it always like i was exposed to the chinese health care system okay i don't think anyone here has and most of the people I talked to haven't either and you can read about it too you don't have to experience it personally but like they use a lot of traditional medicine it was my experience but also not what you would call like traditional or even like TCM in that particular part of the world I would challenge people to say maybe not east versus west because it's, I think that's a little bit um well I think a lot of those simple. things have have but like there's there are, right? there are well there's well there's uh there's plenty of cultures that are not um, Eastern that have, uh, you know, have it a holistic perspective about, yeah, you know, medicine. the world and their body. And, you know, I think it's sort of uh, unnecessarily tribalistic to do Those that. Are Western well, it's categorical. I, I totally agree with you, Matthew, that it's a shortcut in thinking to categorize things in the first place as to just say this is something like this and this is something like that and to make only two categories and then think like everything belongs to one of those two categories and put them in opposition is not very careful analysis of of the actual world around us so we need to interrogate each individual thing and, and understand what's good and I, I agree that it would be better to to think about it in terms of holism versus um a more specialized approach one of the issues with um, this is larger than just Western medicine. Um, this is our style of academics writ large is that we specialize into specific um, areas of foci that then we end up interpreting the world according to those, those models. Here, here. Um, a, a famous example from, from social science is you can, any social scientist will explain the same social phenomena from their own disciplinary's perspective. So if you had a social phenomena like an increase in domestic abuse, 
Um, if you asked an economist, they would give you an economics answer. If you asked a sociologist, they would give you a, a, something about like the formation of families and, and the structure of families. If you asked a psychologist, they would talk about like sort of life satisfaction. If you asked a political scientist, they would talk about alienation. Um, and, and this is the same thing in in sort of medicine, it's the same thing in plant biology, it's the same thing in a lot of things, you can become too specialized and too focused. And like Matthew, maybe as a as an IPM specialist, could start diagnosing every plant problem as an IPM problem, right. But he knows that sometimes this may be nutrient related, or it may be other sort of farming practices or other things like that. So it's important to not interpret the entire world through one disciplinary paradigm. Isn't that like the, uh, those attribution errors, right? Like the idea that um, people like to attribute things that happened. I'm really inarticulately saying it, unlike yourself, which is brilliant, by the way, thank you. But um, we're like, if something happens to somebody, it's common for people to attribute, if, if it's happens to themselves, they might attribute to themselves something that they did or other people to what they do rather than to like their context or their circumstance. Absolutely. I right. mean, we approach that with, with things in general, especially in our culture, we're very individual sort of focused. And so we focus on individual decisions and individual outcomes. We don't focus on the context. And even when we know we're doing things that are crazy and aren't going to solve the problem, like we look at, at like a street corner drug dealer, um, and we'll look at like that person, the problem, even though we know if we arrest that person, somebody else is going to take their place. And if we arrest that person, somebody else is going to take their place. And if we arrest, and it's like, it doesn't ever occur to us. Well, maybe that person's not the problem. Maybe there's something wrong with the structure that we've created or the situation that these people are finding themselves in or some other sort of aspect of the context. We're almost programmed to ignore context and focus on individual responsibility. Because people are intellectual misers, and that's not an insult. That includes myself, too. That's why we rely on heuristics so much, right? I wanted to jump in and say the whole East versus Western medicine kind of reminds me a little bit of first versus third world. A lot of people still think in those terms, but I think they're a little bit antiquated or outdated. Certainly. I think Um, so. A little simple, definitely. Yeah, it, it depends on what you're, we have a why you're making economy. these categories. These are analytical constructs that we make in order to analyze the world. And they can be done very sloppily if you're not really careful. There, there's some good reasons to want to group things together and, and because they're all experiencing a similar phenomena or because there really is something that's very similar about them. Um, but it's very easy to slip into just being a categorical thinker where you're like, oh, well, that's this. I know what that is. And that's not the issue because you, you just categorize things instead of actually interrogate them. Right. But I, like I was going to say, the, the Chinese doctors that are prescribing Pfizer drugs are Western doctors now because they're not following the they're Eastern modern. ways. You know they're what I'm saying? Well, I think the Chinese communists would disagree with you because yeah, a similar is- concept because maybe Marxist communism. Oh boy. Now this is going to get demonetized, but don't worry about it. A, it's a right. general understanding that, you know, Eastern is kind of like herbs and spices and diet and stuff. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, my, old that's school what way. you that's take like saying it Oriental. to me. <laughs> that's but what you take what, it to mean. That's not what it actually means. And but what do you, there's a lot of people meet, like have that same 
Definition a lot of people in that's our culture make that same categorization, that same. It's, it's, that's exactly what we're it's, saying. It's, it's, it's like it's like K and F versus traditional farming. It's as the long same as we know thing. we're talking about the same. The the differences though. Yeah. Well, you know but like, saying? weren't there people in the Western Hemisphere that were doing similar things? Like, you know, the before Native the white American man came folks. here and killed them all, and gave put them on reservations, maybe. Uh, I, like I just think it's more. <laughs> it makes more sense to consider it modern mind. versus traditional. East versus West is so. Uh, I think modern and traditional yeah. are problematic as well because that but suggests progress and it suggests that one group is ahead yeah. of the other, and that's probably not the connotation that we're going for. Yeah, and that's the thing. Too. It's like it's you know, the same substances. And when someone says something to, to that, it's like, I mean, I'm not pers I, I'm not personally responsible for what other people have done in the past and I'm not associated with that. And to have that kind of mindset, it's like looks bad, you know, because I don't come from anything. I've been just as disadvantaged as any other minority group. Um, foster care systems, prison, all of that. So that kind of mindset to me is like, like, dude, it, it's more a class thing than it than it is a race thing man it's not just about and and i don't want to be put in into like a false category either just because i'm white like that's kind of crazy i think they all they all matter all those factors play into everyone's life experience and it's not like good to get into like an oppression olympics of like who's got it worse or who's got it easier because everybody's always going to have somebody who's got it worse than them and somebody's always going to have somebody who's got it better than them uh what i think is important is like we were talking about earlier hard work like there's no good term then for old medicine and new medicine is what holistic versus specialized i really think that that's the distinction that we're going for whether you're thinking about somebody that approaches the the entire thing and sees it from multiple angles and understands different aspects of your life or whether they're focused on the mechanics of the circulatory system or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that, that's the commonality amongst what, what we're talking about as Western medicine or that, that approach is it's a hyper-specialized approach. It's not a holistic approach. Um, so I just offer that as the distinction that, that is really what we're trying to talk about, holistic yeah. versus specialized medicine. To simplify that, yeah. Doc, um, there's a really good saying and they say, to uh, hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a surgeon, you're going to look yeah. at things as like, how do I fix this with a surgery? If yeah. you're a, a heart doctor, you're going to think about how the heart is impacting the, the body and like holistic medicine. And if you're a, a psychiatrist, a you're going to think about what pill to prescribe to fix this person's depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if you're a psychiatrist, you might think that like humans and lobsters are a great comparison to make. And if you're a pothead, <laughs> you know what, as, as a person who had to grow up listening to psychiatrists, try to analyze and tell you what's wrong with you. First of all, I say, fuck you guys. Cause most of them people are absolutely wrong. Um, especially when it co- comes to medicating kids. Uh, but like, I think that it's really about like, when we're talking about holistics in medicine, we're talking, you have to include diet. You have to include, you know, things like your family values, the things that you, it's just like everything, you know, like that is going to be how you're healthy, not just like physically, but spiritually, mentally. I mean, I think uh, a lot of times we have a kind of, 
absent view of like what's really important sometimes and we can get distracted and for me you know I like to you know try to focus on like doing what I can for uh for the plant and for medicine itself doing research my family trying to make everybody happy like you know it it feels good to help other people and and I think having like uh, those are like the things that are really holistic right it's taking all of that stuff into consideration, you know, the way that we live and the way that we treat each other as well, not just from like, uh, you know, medicine type of thing. It's, it's a, it's a whole mindset. I totally agree. And uh, not to cut off the conversation, but speaking of whole, uh, microbes and holism, Jack uh, graciously gave me the screen time again. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share this screen here because we were talking about some microbes earlier and cannabis microbes. And you guys can see this, I think, now. This is one for one of my videos. Um, I have the, the music off because I don't want to uh, have that going. But uh, the screen bar, okay. So the source for this research is from, oh, well, God, it's from the same place. Cannabis microbiome and the role of endophytes in modulating the production of secondary metabolites and overview. And uh, you here with you, Brandon, you were talking about um, siderophores and uh, sort of, um, and uh, iron solubilizing bacteria. Um, this report kind of goes over some of that. And here, I just, you know, it, like there, it's amazing to consider, like all, like speaking of factors, all of these different things so I'm are familiar. interacting. I know, and I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this. Um, if I remember correctly, there are several of the species of the bacillus that are in this new consortium along with the trichoderma. So right here, the, the first one, if you go back one slide, the bacillus right there, that's uh, bacillus um, subtilis, this uh, bacillus amylocations. Yes, I, so I actually, what I had to do was Google, Google the pronunciation and I kept saying it over and over and I still have trouble it's saying hard. it. But it's I have, hard. This bacteria right here is in there. Um, and then if you click to the right again. Oh, sure. The, okay, it's none of these ones. But the Pseudomonas, um, those are usually a purple non-sulfur bacteria. I'm not too, I think this one is too fulva. The, uh, there's a couple of them. Um, the Trying to see, I think I had some of the ones that you were talking about. Oh, here we go. In this graph, so this actually talks about some of the um, various bacteria and also, was it, were there also? No, yeah, so if you look here, it says it has like the phosphate production. Yes. It's the plus plus right here on the bacillus. And that's one of the use, I use the bacillus megatherium, which is one of the uh, bacteria that is actually really large. And so it's used a lot for research studies and stuff, but it also has a really high enzyme production. Um, uh, one thing to note that I thought was kind of cool in here is that they were looking at um, not just what you were talking about, but just for the, for the people who are watching and who are curious, well, what are some of these factors? Um, this is a video on my YouTube channel. So that's the shameless plug, but um, uh, some of these are cellulase and phosphatase solubilizers. At the top here, we have siderophore production, which is iron, if I'm right. Yeah, F-E-C-A-S. Mm -hmm. uh, hydrogen cyanide production, or so that's a kind of a, 
a little bit less helpful here. And uh, well, hormone, uh, hormone any, production. I, anything, I know it's different. Anything that releases hydrogen is going to create uh, bonding capacities to other things because hydrogen is used for you know, all different types of um, all kinds of bonds. And even some of these bacteria are making, um, you know, hormones like indoleacetic acid, yep. right? And like gibber, and the other one you mentioned uh, later on uh, was gibberellic acid, the first one you had mentioned. Um, and so, like, I'm with Spartan and yourself on like, you know, get these microbes, find out. Of course, you know, like, it might be important for us to have certain isolates and maintain those isolates, right? That's why. You know, love or love or hate them, these technical people. Yeah. And, it, and if you look right here at this bacillus, so the bacillus species, which the micro plus hat, that is uh, seven species of bacillus. Cellulose production has the plus plus for the phosphate. Then it has the cytophore production and the organic acid production. If you go down here to the, the pseudomonas, which is in uh, like right above the last purple line, you can mm -hmm. see there's a plus plus on the organic acid production. So mm -hmm. the, when you're talking about organic acids, we're talking about the ability to solubilize a lot of these minerals. Again, CDO4 production, HNC production. Uh, those are the hydrocarbon uh, and then phosphate. So this one has a plus on all of it across the board. And that's one of the that's reasons the why you get a cyanide actually. Okay. Hydrogen cyanide. So you have across the board, um, a pretty, a pretty good, uh, you know, production of secondary metabolites with just the pseudomonas and the bacillus alone. Brandon, are they still all alive when you're, when you're harvesting in the root and the soil, are they all still alive or do some of them die off? What happens, what happens is when you're adding a complex carbohydrate during solid state fermentation, all of the microorganisms will consume all of the carbohydrate, any of the mineral content, and they'll reproduce. Once they run out of food, most of the bacillus species will sporulate. And what they do is they shrink and encapsulate their DNA and they create kind of like a little waxy coating. And what happens is when you introduce them into an environment where they can uh, start to procreate and sequester the different nutrients that are around them, they can start to do what they naturally do in, so in a soil system. When we're talking about uh, the iron fulvic carrier with this new species, this new consortium, which is not new. I used the bacillus uh, subtilis trichoderma as a foiler application to prevent bud mold. Um, but I'm adding a different, a couple more species of bacillus for the soil, for the nutrient cycling capacity. And then the iron fulvic should help chelate those minerals. We'll see what happens, but, um, can we yeah. go back a second? Cause we just like really glossed over hydrogen cyanide and shredder zero nine one one in the chat is like hydrogen cyanide. Like what? Like, yeah, so let's go back to that. Slide. What's producing that? Why is it happening? And, right. uh, what, yeah. what's, is there any risks, dangers associated? So here on this slide, um, says hydrogen cyanide gas production was assessed based on a, upon a change from bright yellow to orange color in picric acid, uh, soaked Wattman filter lining the lid of a sealed Petri dish. So like how much of it and this, what's going on? I, I imagine it's a very small amount, but you can, it, you can take a look at the research report if you'd like to. And if it's, more. if it's a gas, it's probably not something that's biologically available either. 
Well, I don't right. know. It's volatizing off, right? But yeah, like maybe I mean, it can contaminate. I mean, who knows? I mean, th- sometimes like oh oh, you know what? This is uh, uh this is uh this is one of the chemicals that they use to outcompete other microbes that are similar. Oh, you think it's a you think it's a um it's yeah. It's, what's you, the phrase I'm looking for? It's a, a selective target antibody. I think. I mean, that could be a word that means what I'm. Yeah, I was thinking of like a um, what's the ecological term? I don't remember, but like. Yeah, it's a it's a a little a lillipathy. Yeah, a allopathic compound. Something that's not great for other things when they receive it. Yes, that would yeah. that make that makes perfect sense. That might what be maybe so, maybe so. Let's. Uh, um, I'll have to do some research. Some of these species here, the like, uh, just uh, since we're on the slide at the bottom here, we have these different strains of Pseudomonas fulva and Pseudomonas orientalis, and like you know, a lot of these are doing double, triple you know, duty or more, or, or, or this is a one, two, three, four, uh, five, I, six, sextuple, you know, duty, some of these more than others. Um, but like I was saying earlier, I do think that that's why it's so important to have like the technicians that we have and the, and the people who are microbiologists that are um, making sure that the isolates that you're going to get aren't like just some random assortment of microbes. Certainly, harvesting microbes from the environment and like making use of things from your natural escape, I think is a really cool idea and a beneficial idea. But at the same time, if you're really gunning for, like Spartan said earlier, like a consistency, if you're, if you really want to make sure that the microbes you're inoculating are going to do certain functions, then you want maybe strains that are, you know, produced or at the very least that they're colonized or, or um, aggregated and you know they're going to have those effects and they're not going to like lose those genes over time. Because like we said earlier, with regards to evolution and plants and other microbes, you know, the, the closer things stay together from a symbiotic perspective, ecologically, the more those associations are going to matter. Not always, but it might take time. But at the same time, if you remove things from that context, where in which they keep those traits or those, ge- those genes that code for those traits, at least. Um, then, especially if they're really costly, especially if they're really metabolically costly and there's no need for it, it doesn't help fitness, and they're gonna lose those traits over time. A lot of Bouveria bassiana, a lot of those fungi that you get to kill your pests, um, those are uh, sort of like tested constantly to make sure that like, you know, that doesn't go away. Um, and I think it's one of the major limiting factors for like making use of microbes in an agricultural space. Um, I think a lot of times people are buying microbes or they're buying stuff and they're not doing tests like you're doing, Brandon. And I'm not really a, uh, microbiologist or, you know, I'm not like professionally trained, but, uh, man, my, uh, my little keg thing right there, right on the other side of this table it is like it's going man so i didn't know if the uh if it was gonna work but i'm so excited now well very cool very cool hey can Um, you bring that back up for one second yeah i can actually yes i can i just wanted to write that uh down that the i have this research paper i'll have to dig it out again Yes, here you go. This one, right? Orientalis pseudomonas orientalis. Huh. I don't think I have uh, 
had any experience with that particular. Yeah. So, and like, and like plants make, they have like interactions with microbes real quickly. And I love to wait, actually, what time is it? We're getting to the end, aren't we, Jack? Yeah. Spartan Grunt's about to jump out here. Yeah. Why don't we let him do that? So this is uh, normally the time where we give it over to Spartan Grown. Yeah, um, thank, this is a great show. I didn't say a whole lot. I, I, I guess I did a little bit at the beginning, but it was a learning episode for me. I love those ones. So shout out to chat. Um, it's been all over the place in chat today. <laughs> and uh, shout out to everybody on the panel. I look forward to this every week. So it was good to have a lot of the people back today. So that was awesome. Not missing too many people. So agreed. pretty awesome on that one. So. Uh, everybody have a good night, and uh, you can catch me probably in about 15 minutes on the Mystery Bros. Grow Show. Cheers, everybody. Later, dude. Peace out, Spartan. Hey, Spartan. Take it easy, man. Thanks, as always, for coming, Spartan Grown. You can find him on Instagram at Spartan Grown or email him at spartangrown at gmail.com. He also works over at Mitten Canico. They're doing big things over there in the Mitten, uh, Michigan, killing it in the legal cannabis space. So a big shout-out to Spartan Grown. I always appreciate his time. Even when he's not uh, actively talking, he's usually interacting in the chat. Speaking of, Dr. MJ, you were killing it earlier with your moderation, using that wrench uh, with good authority because there were some trolls that needed to be <laughs> removed. Throwing that the names. hammer. Yeah, that band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even paying attention. I look over at the chat. I'm like, what the hell is this? Okay. (laughs) This is a pretty easy call. Yeah, it wasn't anything controversial. Yeah, when I saw the name, there was a few names that were removed, and I'm not even going to give them the justice. They they were writing some inappropriate things, and even the names themselves, like the YouTube names, were like super inappropriate. So when it was like so and so was removed from the chat, it's like, yeah, that's not surprising. surprising. Yeah, oh, so. that's funny. I, I do find it a little bit entertaining, but it's definitely not appropriate. So I'm glad that uh, Doc cleaned up the chat a little bit so we can have a more polite and uh, open discussion with the people in the chat and let them talk about the things that are uh, more related. Even though we felt like we we're going a little bit off topic talking about food, I do think that it relates to cannabis because, like I said, I think for a long time they looked at food as medicine. And many people I know in the cannabis community have gone off of uh, traditional or specialized medicines like uh, pharmaceuticals today and they've gone to the more holistic route of using cannabis only um, making sure they have better uh, diet than they previously did and getting enough exercise and social uh, well-being you know interacting with friends and family getting enough sleep making sure you do a job that you don't hate every single day uh, all of those things can reduce stress improve quality of life and make you a healthier person without using the specialized medicine or modern, uh, whatever we want to, I think specialized is, is a good way of thinking about it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I really agree with that, Jack. And I think that that's it, right? Diet and lifestyle and thinking about your social life, thinking about, you know, um, what you're doing for your job. All of those things are important to, to really be healthy in a sense. I totally Even like religiosity, I for a while felt kind of like on the atheist side of the spectrum, not to get super deep into it. But um, I think having a little bit of that element in your life, like cannabis has personally made me a little bit more of a spiritual person, I would say. Like I believe more in even maybe my traditional upbringing, I was brought up Roman Catholic. I have like more uh, thoughts that maybe there's some validity to some of the things that they're looking into and even like other religions and things. It makes me more curious and more open-minded. I definitely think values. Yeah. And and that can come from a, a religious experience and it can also come from other places, but I definitely think having values and being aware of them and living up to them are all really important parts of that. And the other part of that is the the social values of 
being able to associate with people that that think similarly and share those values. And I think that it, people get those two things from religion, uh, absolutely. Yep, it's definitely not uh, all positive or all negative in one direction like most things. And I'm glad that there are people out there that benefit from it um, because I've seen the downsides of it personally. That's why I've kind of strayed away from it a little bit personally. But uh, I do see so much value and, and good things that come from it. And I'm glad people within this community share lots of different beliefs and views. And it's really interesting to see all of them coming together uh, with the same common interest of cannabis and accepting each other's. Because oftentimes outside the cannabis space, you see religion is one of the things that people are fighting about. I mean, right now things are going over uh, and I don't know if the Middle East is the proper term, but like Israel and Palestine are having some of their worst times right now. And most of us, I would say like, I don't want to get into it, but it's just, um, I think cannabis brings people together with different religious backgrounds that are not going to be fighting. Um, and there's a whole much longer history to that particular conflict, but I am happy to see so often um, people of different backgrounds, ages, uh, colors of their skin, um, socioeconomic statuses, all coming together to enjoy cannabis together, whether it's digitally on a Zoom meeting like this, or whether it's in person at a cup or a festival or something like that. And I think that's something that uh, we can all be thankful for about cannabis, for sure. Absolutely. I think it, it, it improves our ability to empathize with other people and to be able to see things from other people's perspectives and from new and different perspectives. And, and that it necessarily almost um, allows us to collaborate and, and get along better with people to be able to resolve some difficulties and stuff like that. I mean, it can get in the way of some of that too, but, but I agree. It's, it, <laughs> we need a little bit more empathy sometimes and, and cannabis can certainly help with that. It's certainly been a net positive, I think. And it, it's very uh, apparent in the cannabis community, whether you're at cocoforcannabis.com, asking questions and getting them answered for free, uh, almost instantaneously in the chat rooms or in a forum post or things like that, or like having people send seeds to you or, or just give you stuff for free out of the blue. Like I've seen people, they're like, oh, this person in the community wants to get into growing. I'll send them my old light. I'll send them seeds. I'll send them this. I'll send them that. I'll help them out. You know, send me DMs and I'll help you any step along the way. And like the people are so generous. So uh, I'm just happy that we can continue to be a part of that part of this community that really is positive and, and helping each other out, collaborating and sharing the information wide and open and trying to be honest about what we do and don't know. And oftentimes it's uh, we Smiley's got some good saying. It's like we don't know how much we don't know or something like that. I, I'm probably mm -hmm. fucking it up, but it's That's a like good the, point. The um, the whole Dunning Kruger effect. It kind of has a good like curve. It like shows at the beginning. People think that they once you start learning about something, you have like a you think you're really up high on like how much knowledge you have about it, and then you start going like down into like the peak, and then slowly over time, you actually your experience builds up, and then you actually begin to become like an expert in a field, and you have a good amount of knowledge. But even those people oftentimes are like oh, um, they're usually very humble and about how much they know and how limited their knowledge might be or how specific in some cases, like you might spend your whole life studying microbes, but then you don't know about uh, certain insects, you know? And that's where like, I think it's cool that like Suzanne, uh, I think it's Wainwright or maybe one of the other uh, people uh, is married to like, uh, what are they? They always call them right? ninja toads. Uh, ninja toads. Yeah, but they're nematodes. She's nematodes. one of them's married to a nematologist, oh, and I was okay. like, "Oh, that's a cool combination." You know, like one of them's got the soil, and one of, one of them's a nematologist. So like, they are both very specialized and have like a big depth of information in either one of those fields. So, it'd be a very scientific conversation at the dinner table, I'm sure. 
But with that being said, I think uh, we're coming up to about the final hour here on the West Coast. It's uh, 5.51. We've only got six of us, so I guess uh, before we do our final thoughts and shout-outs, I want to open it up to the panel and ask if anybody has any uh, comments or thoughts that they didn't get out this week that they'd like to uh, wrap up before we go into the final shout-out. I have a relative question. Um, I asked it to the group chat in the beginning of the week, but maybe we'll present it to the, uh, to the chat here. Um, if anybody has any low stress training resources, educational resources, um, I'd like to pass that on to a follower. Um, I think I read about it in Jorge Cervantes's book a long time ago, which is like not a trustworthy book to pass somebody on to these days, in my opinion. Um, but I've learned basically through experience and stuff. So maybe if, if anybody on the panel wants to talk about their LST techniques or anything like that. There's some videos on lots of LST stuff. Sure. Do you guys have a guide at CocoForCannabis.com on that? Um, on LST specifically, no. It, it's it, it is something that we could do a, a guide on. We talk about LST in our sort of why you should train plant cannabis plants, and in some of the specific tutorials, like on um, mainlining and manifolding and, and other techniques like that. Um, I've mentioned this on, on this show in the past. I think low stress training is a little bit of a problematic term. Um, what we're really referring to there is, is bending without breaking um, the plant. Um, and it's a fairly risky plant training technique to be perfectly honest with you. So it requires a great deal of skill and um, sort of experience if you wanna really go at it. Um, in a way that some of the more high stress techniques like topping and, and super cropping are sort of lower risk because um, if you bend a little bit too much without any kind of stock preparation, you, you can do pretty dramatic injuries to the plant. Doc, I know you don't love this website uh, because they do have some questionable information on their other um, like leaf stripping articles and things like that but I'm gonna share an article from growweedeasy.com because I do think that it actually has some good photos and uh, information on LST for somebody who's maybe just getting into it. And I do agree that it might be more high stress than people initially put on, but this well, has- it's, it's, If you do it well, it's pretty too. low stress on the plant, but it's just high risk. If you do it a little bit too much, snap and it's kind of over. So there's a difference between the, the sort of the degree of stress and the degree of, of risk. If you don't snap the plant, then it's pretty low stress. The plant bounces back pretty quickly. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you've said. I, I don't think we need to change the name or anything, but, but yeah, I, I, the sentiment of, of the, the name having this weight that it, it is hard to do. And <clears throat> if you do it wrong, you're going to fuck your plant up worse than if you do it, do a high stress technique wrong. Right. Well, LST uh, in itself, it, it, it depends on how you're doing it and what setting you're doing it. If you're doing it inside, I like to have like, a, it's, it's difficult to get underneath, but if you have a net, you can tie things to it. You can tie, even with just like pieces of twine, they have like a, like a grower tape thing. You can tie stuff down. You can do stakes. You can pinch back. There's a lot of stuff to do it, but just like Doc said, it's high level. Even like someone like me who's been doing it for eight, nine years, I screw up sometimes and break stuff. Right. So, but if you really get at it and you really do do it, you can really, I mean, it's way worth it once you get there. But now, like, just because I've done it so many times over the years, like, that's one of the techniques that I just kind of taught myself 
running out of space and different things. And then I actually, Dr. MJ said something one time that you could do something in flower and I just had the guts to do it like early on and I've gotten better at doing that. So it, it, it takes, it takes experience. Uh, yeah. Jack, will you go very easy, but I mean, Jack, will you pull up uh, my Instagram? I just posted a video of an LST plant. That's just a fucking monster. Um, yeah, I, I agree with all of that too. I want to just make the point that I can't tell you how many growers have talked to me. It's their first grow. I asked them how they're going to train their plants. And they're like, since I'm new at this, I'm just going to do LST this time. And I'm not ready to do topping and I'm not ready to do a man line or something like that. And I'm thinking, man, topping is much sort of more straightforward and you're going to get it right. Um, even doing a main line is pretty easy for a new grower. It's a step-by-step -step sort of set and you're not going to really screw up the, the steps. But LST, I, I, a lot of growers are like, man, I broke my branch. I broke this branch. How do you deal with a broken branch from excessive LST? So um, almost all the plant injuries are, are a result of LST experiences. I'd agree Make with that, sure but I think every I think that branch up. it's important to learn from your mistakes. And personally, I think LST is one of the best. It's one of my favorite, at least, ways of training a plant. And breaking those branches, one, they can be taken in learning how to make a clone now, or you can learn how to resuscitate a branch, be it grafting tape, or I personally prefer blue painter's tape because it's easy to stick and unstick and it seals the wound really well. Um, Absolutely. A few different ways of going about it. And yeah. I think that once you learn the way to bend the plant, you don't need stakes. You don't need a uh, scrog. Like if you look at this plant right now that I'm showing from Aaron's page, um, I don't know what, there's some bamboo stakes actually it looks like in there, but in an indoor environment, when you have a smaller plant, you can get like, I used to think it was genetic, like a uh, gorilla glue is known for being floppy and things like that. But I've seen people that do like the Kyle Cushman chiropractic where you are super cropping like every few inches of the plant and it starts knuckling up and it can support its weight through the end of flower where if you don't do that it's going to flop and snap uh, but some stuff is definitely more genetically pliable um, where you can bend it all the way down to the soil with no issue and other stuff uh, maybe even like clones like older stuff and it might be viral or it might just be genetic straight up because like some of the stuff grows up you can see it's uh, stature it just wants to grow more straight up and some stuff is more naturally bushy and, and wider so that stuff that wants to grow more straight up tends to be more likely to snap off in my experience and many others that i've uh, talked to as well but there's definitely risk to it but i think the risk is worth the reward and, and so many things in growing you can read article after article but until you do it and get the experience firsthand uh, it's tough to kind of know what's going to work best for any individual for training methods uh, but it, I think that LST is worth trying out. But with that being said, we definitely uh, just ran out the clock there. So I'm going to pass it over to Dr. MJ, if you have any final thoughts, and then give you a shout out. The one thing I thought about that plant that you were just showing us was, it looks like they left every single branch on that plant. That is not I, the case. Really? <laughs> that it is definitely like not the case. I was like, wow. No. So no, that that's... was one of the trading differences. Um, yeah, and you got to sort of arrange all of this. Was that your? Oh, every branch has been touched and gets touched almost every day, dude. Like, yeah, for sure. And outdoors, branches so are bushier for sure. Yeah, there's so much like foliage, like leaves, uh, side branching. The, the sun just makes more growth, yeah, in, yeah. in my opinion, for whatever reason. But down at the crazy. base of that, there wasn't a lot of early pruning. Correct. Early pruning? No, I use the early branches to mainline. Okay, we may think about mainlining a little bit differently then because there was more than one node coming off of the, the primary stock. 
We'll have to get into that, that next beast week. Of a plan. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because Sorry, the semantics of it'll take my, longer. My yeah, I gotta go. Um, but let's let's have a plant training talk again. This was this was a fun little way to end. I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I want to tell everybody about our strain review giveaway. You can write a strain review on Coco for Cannabis and enter our giveaway this month. We're giving away uh, Metagrow Fold 8, and it's like in one week. Um, so all you got to do is write a strain review and submit it for approval, and then you'll get your lottery number. And uh, we've already given away a couple of cool lights. So don't miss out on that opportunity. And um, yeah, I'll be around next week. It was a fun show. I enjoyed it. And thanks to all the rest of the panelists, to the chatters, and uh, to everybody that's listening. Grow or love. Grow or love to you, Doc. Pleasure to have you as always. And I'm going to write a review tonight myself. I'm going to put one in. So cheers to that. All right. And uh, Brandon, I'm going to give you the opportunity next because you said you got to go. So go ahead and give us your final thought and shout out. Yep. Always uh, great to be here. Um, thanks, guys. And thanks for all the listeners. Uh, you can find me at Brandon on IG, see what I'm up to and stuff like that. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you. Next up, we have uh, Matthew Gates. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed um, the various topics that we talked about. And I'll try to make this quick because we're already at the time. So yeah, if you want to find more stuff about integrated pest management, you can Check me out at the Zenthanol YouTube channel. You can also contribute to my Patreon at least $1 a month, and you can get to my Discord, which will be having a live stream just for the Discord people um, next week. And you can follow me on Instagram at SyncAngel to get the post that talks about that or on my YouTube channel. Cheers to that. Thank you so much for joining us. And next up, Noah Groa. Yeah, I had a great time today. I uh, did a lot of just like uh, – just learning from everyone, but, uh, yeah, I'm a big LST guy, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm no other girl on Instagram. Um, I just recently have kind of switched over to bio three, six, five soil, and I'm really enjoying it. I got a bunch of new stuff, some Tropicana punch, Sunday driver, apple fritter, a bunch of new strains. So it's all going to be coming out of my Instagram soon. So if you got any questions, you can come over and check it out and see what I got going on. Everybody cheers. Cheers to you. N O A H T H E E. G-R-O-W-A, Noah the Groa with two E's. Always a pleasure to have you. He's got some fire stuff, killing it on Instagram. Next up, the American one. Back as always, thanks for hosting. And panel, it's always good to be here. Everyone in chat, good to catch you for a little while tonight. And uh, yeah, I'm the American one on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. If you search the American one and look for the little Amer uh, American top hat, that's me. And uh, yeah, I can't wait till next week. Peace out, everybody. Look forward to having you back next week. And I believe the final one is Aaron the Grower. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it was a lot of fun tonight. Sorry I wasn't as involved as normal. I, I feel like maybe I joined in late and missed part of the conversation. I wasn't sure what we were talking about at first, but tuned in there at the LSD. So that was really cool. Thanks for humoring me i'll pass the messages along that we discussed maybe we can talk more next week about that i look forward to that check me out at atgacres.com or atgacres is my instagram i am aaron the grower thanks for having me always a pleasure and uh, definitely lsd and plant training in general will be a good conversation for the upcoming weeks i am at jack greenstock i work this time on cannabis as well as instagram you can find me at jack underscore greenstock on twitter and email me at jack greenstock 47 at gmail.com 50 strains of green the second edition is being printed right now currently so uh, i'll have them sometime this week 
be signing all those copies and sending them out to anyone who pre-ordered. If you yourself want a copy, just hit me in the DM. I haven't made my website yet, so I'm taking payment through Cash App or PayPal. If you want a book, hit me up. I've got a good amount of copies still left, so if you want to get them, uh, the first edition all sold out, so there's 250 being printed and already 125 accounted for. So make sure to get yourself a copy if you're interested. Hit me up. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, see you all next week. Jack Greenstock, signing out. Grow love, everyone. <laughs>